Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. As middle market CEOs, I know that you are intensely interested in revenue generation. And one tactic, of course, is advertising. With all of the saturation of media, we're all getting media and information from so many places, many modes of advertising are not as effective as they once were. And so our guests today from the Nebo Agency, Kim Lincoln, Lincoln, their president, and Brian Easter, their co-founder, are going to talk to us about how to humanize marketing and advertising and make it more effective. So welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Kim and Brian, can you tell us a little bit about the trends that you're seeing in the effectiveness of advertising and how your approach is different and, and bringing you know, this new methodology and new thinking to that issue? Sure. So Nebo is a human-centered agency for this new digital traditional world. Um, and actually, take it a step back to how we were founded. So we started in 2004, and we're started by two brothers, Brian uh, and Adam. And really, it was started as a reaction against what they saw as the failures and norms of an industry. They were seeing things like, you know, agencies going out and trying to game the system for short-term gains and not respecting the consumer, and they thought that there was a better way. And so Nebo was born out of that idea that there could be a human-centered approach that was successful. Yeah, and let me add to that. Um, and, you know, as Kim indicated, uh, the the crux of where we're at, you know, when we started 13 years ago to today, the pace of change has uh, increased. Options that consumer has are more vast and the consumer has more control. They're more empowered. They're more uh, skeptical of advertising. And I think as an industry, uh, we've sort of done it to ourselves. We've looked at people as clicks or impressions or, or conversions, and we haven't really uh, taken a step back and said, you know, here's a mom. She has two kids. Um, they're in a, a dual income home and this you know, new car they're going to buy or this new television they're going to buy you know, has an impact on their life. And, and how can brands and advertisers help them make the decisions that they're going to make instead of trying to sort of um, you know, look at various you know, advertising mediums as just reach? I think we're, we, we've been addicted a little bit like, hey, people watch this show, people click this ad, people go to this search engine or they're on this social media app and we think, if we can just blast our message there, that that's effective. And, and consumers are, are more savvy than that. You know, they want that help. They want that help in trying to make that decision. And for us as advertisers and brands to trust them along that journey. Yeah. I mean, the reality is that we see thousands and thousands of ads every month and year. And so most people ignore 99% of the advertising that they see. So it's our job to really put the effort into creating campaigns that are going to help somebody to make a decision um, as opposed to just trying to, like Brian said, blast them with a message and hope. Mm. And so when you talk about human-centered, mm -hmm. um, what does that mean? What does that look like in real life? You know, it sounds great, <laughs> but as you say, people don't trust anything that comes out of an advertiser's mouth anyway. Yeah, and, and, and it's not, they trust advertisers, they just trust them less than they used to. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, the cost of an impression has went up um, a, a substantial amount since the Super Bowl. They've done some interesting studies around, you know, uh, what is the cost of impression? What is the cost of, of time and attention over the past 50 years? 
50 years ago, about 85% of what advertisers and brands said people believed. Um, that number is largely flipped. So what that means is we have to move from... So when you say flipped, just... The, the advertisers and brands, uh, consumers don't trust what we say. Okay. Uh, you know, where it was 85-15, now it's more 15-85. They assume it's an overpromise. They assume it's an overstatement. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they, they largely ignore it. So what that means in practice is, you know, 50 years ago, even 20 years ago, good marketing could be, you know, like uh, you could go through a traditional account planning and say, here's what, you know, consumers, this segment of consumers care about. Here is, you know, the media they consume. Uh, let's put a slick campaign together and let's we'll do an ad buy. And we'll do an ad buy. <laughs> and, 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 and that was to a certain degree effective and it became increasingly um uh, less effective over time. Well, with the internet and social, and like Kim mentioned, them, we are blasted with somewhere between 1.5 to 5 million ads per year. And that, that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And we're really and you good. You don't realize it because you ignore most of them. Yeah, and you're really good ignore them. So, so for us to cut through, that means that we have to move beyond the simple demographics and just key messages and unique selling points to understanding how we can make that consumer's life better. And that means you do all the traditional marketing work, you know, the messaging, the branding, the audience, the understanding, you know, all those things. But you really got to go deep into what I, what I call empathy and sympathy. Uh, and empathy uh, is can transcend a marketer from a good marketer to a better marketer. But sympathy uh, is, is, to me, the, 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 the thing that matters the most. As I alluded to earlier, that family in, say, Kennesaw, Georgia, that makes a combined income of 60000 a year that's thinking about buying a new car. Advertising right now, uh, you know, every week, some crazy Joe is jumping up and down and saying, this weekend only, buy now, buy now, buy now. And the major auto manufacturers are blasting the airwaves with these com- uh, cars spinning around mountains or, um, uh, you know, these very scenic commercials. But if you put your hand over the logo, you couldn't tell if it was a, a Lexus or a Mercedes or whatnot. None of those things actually solve the consumer's problem. And if you think about that family, that new car they may buy, it might, uh, you know, affect how much um, disposable income they have for five or 10 years. It, it's going to be where they take family vacations. It's going to be something where, you know, if something happens and, and the warranty is not a good enough warranty and something happens, it could really affect their family's income and well-being. It might be their son's first car. Advertisers have to get to that point where they actually help solve that family's problems. And if they could teach and educate and inspire and empower that family to say, this is the best car for you, instead of just over-promising, they'll do a better job. And I know that's a sort of a long-winded answer, but our entire methodology is, is, is really geared towards understanding how we can help that consumer make the purchase that's best for them, mm-hmm. instead of just pushing a message at them. Yeah, and, and it, it is more work, and we do it you know, not just because it is the right thing to do, but also it's more successful. So, you know, our clients have goals and we're here to help them meet those goals, but we want to take the human-centered approach. So you mentioned the word that comes up a lot on the show, trust. And how does a brand or a company who's looking at advertising build trust through the medium? Well, I think first, you know, there has to be a level of authenticity and goodwill. 
you know, uh, not to pick on them, but, you know, if Uber called us tomorrow and said, hey, will you help us uh, with some PR and, and help put a good message out there about how great we are with gender relations, we say no. Uh, you know, there has to be an element of truth to, uh, you know, we at first say, hey, let's get your house in order, and then we can talk about how you rebuilt your house. Um, but you can't put lipstick on a pig. So part of it is, you know, having that authenticity and having your product actually solve a problem. There's a great book called It's Not What You Sell, It's What You Stand For by Roy Spence. He's an icon in the advertising industry. And everything that I'm saying, he said much more eloquently <laughs> and did it with bigger campaigns starting in the 70s. And, and so you read, you read that book or you read the book uh, by Luke Sullivan, Hey Whipple, Squeeze This, and you can start to piece together these, these truths that people are dying for. They, they, they need it. They want to understand. They want to be able to believe that that car has a you know, 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty, and there's not some overpromise in there. They want to believe that if the crazy Joe says this weekend only it's $299 a month, that it really is $299 a month. So the core of it, to cut through a lot of that, to build trust, is to understand who you are, be consistent, and, and, and stop treating consumers as if they're fish in a fishbowl, and it's our job just to pluck them out. And so, you know, you look at this methodology and you've, you know, taken this human-centered approach. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, how is the result, how does it actually look different in real life for your the people that you work with? In terms of results or in terms of the approach Both. to the campaigns? Both. I mean, like I said, it, it's more work. It's a lot easier to take kind of a shotgun approach um, and go out and say, okay, we know that we can do a media buy, we can get um, 2 million impressions, but what does an impression mean? It means nothing to a brand. So it's a lot of upfront work in doing research, talking to not only consumers, but also key stakeholders within our clients' companies, because a lot of times we'll be working with somebody like a marketing manager, but we want to also be able to talk to people who are really on the ground and who can listen to consumers. So people that are in sales, people that are in customer service talking to them about what people care about. And then from there, we take all of this research, uh, qualitative research, combine it with our quantitative research and build out really buyer journey focused campaigns. Mm. Yeah, and to bring that to life, I don't want to go too far in the weeds. I don't want to uh, bore your listeners with like uh, details, Keyword. but yeah, well, yeah. But if you think about it from like a traditional, like say, paid uh, search campaign or even a website design project, a lot of times uh, agencies, really smart agencies, take a very um, a linear approach to design. So they may say, hey, okay, here's the homepage, here's a product page, here's a product detail page. And they may take all of this research and approach it that way. Well, the reality is the typical A to buy a journey uh, doesn't exist anymore. That buyer, uh, <laughs> awareness, consideration, interest, purchase, that traditional funnel that we talk about, um, that, that funnel, that awareness, uh, interest, consideration, purchase, Funnel was uh, developed in 1897 by a gentleman by the name of E. St. Elmo Lewis. 1897. Yeah. And so we still teach that in marketing today. We, we That's how marketers in general approach campaigns. And, and that worked really, really well. And I'm stealing this from Kim. So, Kim, I'm sorry. I'm stealing your story. <laughs> okay. It works really, really well when you have a toothache and you want some elixir and you jump on a horse and you go to town and you go to Woolworths and somebody, you know, walks you through that. But now, going back to that website design project, uh, thinking about it like that way, 
somebody may say, hey, I want you know this product, and they go to the homepage and they come back, and then maybe they're on social and they see something interesting and they go to a different page, and maybe they're on the hear, hear an ad on the radio, and then next thing you know, they're in a store and they're like, oh, I really need to buy that because something triggers their memory, and they go home and they do a search. And now, instead of landing on the homepage, going to a product page, going to a product detail page, going to check out, They've went through their own buyer journey and their own touch points, and they landed somewhere that is completely independent of that journey that we think they're going to take. And so taking a human-centered approach with that is really understanding where, where are all the paths that they're coming from and how do we optimize those paths so we can get out of their way and help them solve their problems. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we do assume they're going to walk through the front door and then they're going to go to this room and then they're going to go to that room. And the reality is when we look at the data, that's not true. Um, also, um, uh, if you were to bring that to life in terms of, like, like I said, traditional, like say Google AdWords or PPC campaigns, some of our clients will say uh, they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll be shocked at how much work we do. Because when you think about an ad uh, and, and a search engine result, the more work you do, the more closely you tie that to a user, the better results you're going to get. But it's harder. So we'll go in and we'll see something like, hey, you know, here's, this is organized like a Dewey Decimal System. It's, it's cups, white cups, it's big thematic. white cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and instead of thinking about where somebody is, and if you think about where, they're, where they are in terms of buyer journey, and you sort of matrix that with, you know, the product uh, catalog, uh, then you can end up doing something very relevant. But what that ends up doing is that you end up expanding the keyword base and expanding the ads. And the messaging on the landing page. Yeah, exactly. And if you do all that, you have more work, but the user is better for the user. It's more work on advertisers. It's more work on brands. It's more work on us. But if you click that ad and it takes you to exactly what you want and the experience that you need at that time, then you're more likely to buy. So it's funny, like a lot of times we try to do less work, but we end up doing more work because we don't do the right work up front. So how do you mention the title of the book? It's not what you sell, it's what you stand for. And maybe I'm getting the title wrong, but close enough. You know the book I'm talking about because yeah. you just mentioned it. <laughs> um, is how do CEOs, because this comes up a lot, right? Uh, most of the CEOs on the show talk about core values and mm-hmm. it's the core values in their culture, et cetera. How do you get that what you stand for to show up in all the different parts of the business? You know, from the advertising to the culture to, you know, how you interact with the staff. It's really nice to say, you know, we believe in integrity and trust and being customer centered or whatever it is. Yeah. How do you get it to actually filter down through the what the company actually does? Kim and I will probably bounce on this one. I think, once again, there's a level of authenticity has to be there. I think a lot of times when people go through branding exercises and, and they try to define core values, what they don't start with, they start with like a mission statement and then they try to say, okay, our mission is to do A, B, and C, and therefore we're going, our core values are going to be integrity and trust and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And those are largely platitudes. And they don't mean anything to the uh, employee base because they are largely platitudes. It's not that you shouldn't be trustworthy or have integrity. I think those things matter. But I think, you know, you mentioned the book and you did get it right, uh, Roy Spence's book. But what he talks about is purpose. Is like, what reason do you exist? How do you make the world a better place? So, for example, he did work with Southwest early on, and Southwest's purpose was to democratize the skies. Um, when they first started, only about 15% of people had ever flown. Now, they weren't the only airline to help more people fly, but it's easier for them to define their core values. It's easier for them to do marketing. It's easier for them to make product decisions if they know their purpose is to help more people fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that 
helping a, an, an organization find purpose is, is, is one of the first steps. Secondly, there has to be, you know, you have to have a DNA. And, 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 and with Nebo, at least, it's, it's sort of interesting to us because, you know, we started, we wanted to humanize what we consider very broken and dehumanized industry. That meant how we approach campaigns, but it also meant how we approach each other. I want to go into work every day and have fun. Mm -hmm. I want to go into work every day and know that people's careers are better off, that this isn't some higher and fire industry like too many too many agencies have this higher and fire culture. Um, so I think part of it is this really understanding your DNA and, and what purpose you have, and then you can actually get to more authentic and believable core values. Yeah, and if you don't have a purpose, then what is your reason for being? Um, so obviously, like Brian said, our purpose is to dehumanize or, or to humanize a dehumanized <laughs> industry. And um, not only does that impact how we approach our campaigns like we've talked about, but it also impacts our culture. So we spend a lot of time and effort into nurturing and fostering that culture. And I think the mistake that some people make is they think that amenities equal culture. So you go into an agency, there's beer, there's dogs, there's ping pong tables. Like <laughs> every agency has those things. If you don't have those things, you're probably not an agency. But it's culture is more than that. It's the people. And so we spend a lot of time in being transparent and making sure that everyone at Nebo understands our purpose, why they're, why they're there, um, and work with them uh, to set their own individual goals and uh, career paths and help them um, along their growth and in line with our core values and purpose. Yeah, and I think that, you know, they're also, whether it's marketing or whether it's um, uh, a company culture, I think that we have as an industry um, have been used to being in control and we have to be very comfortable with not being in control. So in advertising in the past, you know, if you had four major TV uh, stations and a couple major radio stations, you could really control a message. It's now a social and, and, and how we're in this consumer-empowered world. The con customer owns your brand just as much as you do. It's what they think it is, not just what you say it is. But that's also true about culture. Mm -hmm. So like one of the things that we do and our core values is we have a lot of tools to allow our um, employees to communicate with us in safe ways. Mm -hmm. So one tool we use is called is called Office Vibe. Uh, Office Vibe communicate with you in safe ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like Office Vibe, what that does is it it surveys them on a, a bi-monthly basis and asks them if they're happy, asks them these other things, so we can actually see if you know maybe people are unhappy and they don't you know there there's something that's this bubbling up in the culture that's not telling us. Mm -hmm. But it also allows them to give feedback in anonymous ways. So they can say, hey, my manager's not, you know, giving me a, a, a career path or, or, or path for growth, or I'm really upset about this new client this way. And then what happens is, is our executive team is, is on this. We manage it. Kim reaches out and she'll say, hey, if you feel comfortable talking about this, um, please let me know. Or we, we can offer advice uh, in a way that allows them to, we can have a one-on-one -on -one if they want to do this, mm -hmm. or they can just have an anonymous conversation and address some of these issues. Yeah, um, um, and it, it, Office Vibe is something that we added on top of our traditional kind of feedback loop. So one of the things that we do is everybody who's in a leadership position does one-on-ones with everybody on their team, either bi-weekly or weekly. And we've made it a big part of our culture where people, no matter what level they're at, can challenge their manager or say, you know, I didn't like when you did this. So we ask the leaders and the managers to ask the people on their team, like, what could I be doing better? And we get a lot of great feedback that way. But 
as we've seen, when you implement something that allows for anonymous feedback, you get much more feedback. So that's been a really, really helpful tool. And we've identified some things that we've been able to quickly jump on and fix. Yeah. And Kim actually goes and once a quarter presents uh, an Office Vibe summary to the team. To wow, the entire that's company, good. And says, hey, here's what we saw. Here's what we learned, you know, and we try to try to move that forward. So as much as, you know, I could tell you the things that, you know, we sort of look for when we're hiring and I can tell you our core values and our culture and all these other things, but it still would ring hollow if the people on the team didn't, didn't have feel didn't feel it didn't have a voice because mm-hmm. there is they're in more control of the culture arguably than we are yeah. you know there's this three of us you know four of us if you, uh, you look at the the core executive team um, we have a leadership team that's beyond that we I think we have 13 people on the leadership team but you know you have almost 100 people that have a voice so if we're not you know if we're not yeah i mean i think we we can we can do what we can to kind of set set the values, but it is the people that carry out the culture. And another big thing that we do to maintain that is every role, every uh, new person that we're bringing on, no matter if it's an intern or somebody's senior level, Brian, Adam, or I will interview them um, because people are such an important part of the culture. And one person can really impact culture in a positive and in a negative way. So we put a lot of effort um, into that. People ask us all the time, why are you spending time interviewing interns? Like, isn't there a better use of an hour in your day? But it's so important to us. It's arguably the most important thing we do. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you sort of mentioned, you know, mid, mid-market CEOs. Um, you know, if you have 100 or 1,000 people, one bad employee is like black ink and, and water. You know, and it's just one drop can change that. And, and it's something that, uh, you know, we're very lucky that we've, you know, we've made hiring decision mistakes before. No, nope, uh, everybody has. <laughs> we've all done it. Yeah. <laughs> Try to get better every day. Yeah, but, but, but it was shocking to us sometimes when we realized how impactful one person, and we might not even see it because yeah. you see the tip of the iceberg, and then you realize a whole team, like, you know, we had one department whose whole morale was changed when one person left, and we didn't see it because, you know, th- th- but that's also the humility we have to have to understand that, you know, the, 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 the core values and the culture are carried out by the team. Mm-hmm. It can't just be words. Mm. So I want to go back to a, So for listeners, mm-hmm. we're talking to the Nebo agency, Brian Easter and Kim Lincoln, Lincoln about humanizing marketing. But now we've kind of switched and talking a little bit about their team. And, and I'm very interested in this because every CEO, every leader who's been on the show says that it's the team, it's the culture that's mm-hmm. made them successful. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back to a couple of things you said. You said it's your DNA. So when you say that, what does that mean? Because I think of genetics when mm-hmm. I think of DNA. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll come back to the Office Vibe thing, but go ahead. Well, when I say DNA, to me, that's a more uh, app analogy than to say core values. Core values is something you can say, oh, we stand for trust, integrity, this, that, and the other. Customer well, service. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. To me, the DNA is, is really, um, you know, that sort of, uh, the, that purpose, that infrastructure, that, 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 that there that was there that, that made you you. Um, and so at Nebo, you know, for example, you know, we could say, you know, we could put a core value out there and it's like, you know, employee growth or something like that. But we also, we, we've also tried to foster and grow people. And there's a genuine excitement when somebody does well. So that's something that's in our DNA. I, I, I don't even have, to have the words mm-hmm. to say that. Is it you like know? the why, the why, why? Well, it's, it's really what's in your heart. To a certain degree, and and that heart gets. Uh, it's it's so hard to describe, and I I can't describe it either. But what I can say is that we've had people who come in to interview or clients, and they say, "Oh, hey, I met somebody at Nebo at a marketing event, and 
they were talking about the culture and, you know, I could just feel it by the way they were talking about it. We have people that walk into the office and say, oh, I can, I can almost feel the culture. And I, I can't describe that in the right words, but it's something that's almost atmospheric. <laughs> and it's interesting because one, I did a core, vo- core value workshop mm-hmm. last week. And one of the things the leader said is that we have to focus on what we are and not what we aspire to be as mm-hmm. the core values. And I think that's what you're saying. It's like the truth of where you are now, not the aspirational values. And I think there's an element to both of that. Uh, I, I, both of those things I think are very important. I think you can't say, this is who I am, and I want to be something that is aspirational and unattainable. Um, at the same time, you can also say, we really, like, it, the, the, some of the proudest moments I've ever had and some of the proudest moments Kim's ever had is when we see people surpass us. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a woman on our team. Her name's Stephanie Wallace. She started Shout as— Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, <laughs> yeah, Stephanie started as intern. Now she is a senior director of one of our departments, and we both pitch for this speak at this conference called Inbound. Michelle Obama is the keynote of Inbound. So this is like a major conference. I got a decline letter. <laughs> Stephanie got accepted as a speaker. And that actually made me more happy. I mean, that almost brought like, I mean, to me, that got me so excited. And, and, and so like when I, when I say like a core value, going back to core values, we could say we, we, we want to foster employee growth. That could be like a core value or something. But the DNA, our genuine excitement of how to help these people uh, further in their career and reach their dreams, even if they're not at Nebo, that's something that um, we could put as a core value and maybe we say we're here, but we want to be here, but it's still, it's just about getting better at that versus if I said, um, or if picking on Uber a little bit, I deleted my app by the way, uh, a few months ago. They keep making mistakes. If, if, if Uber said they want to be the most gender, f- gender friendly uh, 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 organization. Ride sharing app in the world. <laughs> yeah, then, then th- that's, not, that's not who they are. That's not in their DNA. They can write it down as a core value. It could be a new core value, but, it, but it's not, Something that seed wasn't they there. They weren't born with it. Yeah, they weren't born with it. Mm, that's interesting. So let's go back to the safe environment thing because mm-hmm. I think that's could be very helpful to people listening. So we want feedback. We want to know how people really feel. But then you're absolutely right. There are many cases where people people don't feel safe giving you the information for mm-hmm. one reason or another. So why, for example, and I don't know the tool, but why is Office Vibe better than just like an anonymous survey monkey, for example? Um, well, it's really customizable. So uh, first of all, it's uh, it's got a friendly UI. It actually integrates with our Slack app, which is our messaging app. So people just get a notification every two weeks, like, hey, your survey is ready. Takes you to a, a web app and you can take the survey. And it's very uh, some of it's very cutesy, like, how do you feel today? And it's like a scale of like a rainbow to like <laughs> a storm, you know, or something. So that's per- personally not <laughs> my thing. But um, I, 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 it asks these uh, types of questions that are a little bit different and unique. Um, it asks if you feel things like, do you feel like you're contributing to the company's goals? Or do you understand what the company's goals are? And then we can add in actual customized questions if we want to get feedback about a certain thing. So uh, that's been as trivial as like, hey, what should we do for a, like a, a fun culture event? So things that are really important, like how do you feel like we could get better? Or what should we be doing? So it adds another layer to the feedback. But I, I also think that we, one thing that we really strive to do is when I meet with people, like I want, I want them to tell me when I'm wrong. <laughs> I want them to tell me if we could be doing something differently. I think that leadership is largely not about being right. It's more about recognizing when you're wrong and having the instinct to move into the right way. So part of our culture is 
allowing people to have that safe environment where you can give feedback. But even even with that, it's nice to have an outlet where if you want to say something anonymously, you have that. Yeah, and, and why not just use a survey? Um, the re- Office Vibe uh, has a lot of science behind it. So they have thousands of questions grouped into categories that like just a survey wouldn't, we couldn't do. We yeah. couldn't give a thousand uh, question survey. But by sending five or 10 questions at a time and having a scientific method to that says, okay, you may have a lower score over time. Like, hey, people don't feel like they're compensated fairly. Or maybe people don't feel like they have as much autonomy as they need. Or maybe people feel like the culture is uh, is changing. So they have these categories and these questions are geared so you can look at it and say, okay, how um, how are we doing? And then they also uh, bring in baseline metrics from other organizations. Mm-hmm. So it might say, hey, you've scored uh, a 7.2 in terms of of giving people uh, the ability to do work that matters. That's, you know, at this, here's how other companies. Mm-hmm. And, here's and, the, here, here's where you rank in the, or where you Compared to other organizations and that also are have your like, size, yeah. Yeah, and they also have sort of like a net pr- promoter score approach to other things about how happy people are and stuff like that. So it, it, it does things that a simple survey wouldn't do, and it's relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so to us, and, and that's not just the only thing. Um, the other thing that I think we do and it, it is is it, we, we do exit interviews, uh, and the person does those exit interviews, uh, our head of HR is very trusted, and they know that, she is going to put them in a position when, where when they leave, that there's, um, it's, a, it's also a safe place. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what's really amazing, I, I think I'm, Kim's a 10 times better leader than, than I ever was. I, I think I have my passions and my strengths. But what's amazing about Kim and Adam and, and Jen and some other leadership is they will take some of this feedback that we get and they take it to heart. Like Adam, um, you know, he, he can give really, he can give really uh, direct feedback on deliverables. Some of the feedback we got both in Office Vibe and X interviews was about this approach. And Adam, first thing he did is went out and he bought books about how to get better feedback and stuff like that. And that just, that's a, so amazing to see leadership do that. And I, I mentioned Stephanie earlier, you know, she got some uh, feedback on exit interview and she's like, how can I get better? And to me, that is the core of all of this. It doesn't matter whether it's a tool, whether it's an online process, offline process, it's building that um, culture. And part of our DNA is this humility to understand that we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. All we're trying to do is get better and, uh, and, and our heart's in the right place. Awesome. Well, I would love to continue this conversation, but um, we are kind of running out of time. So I would love to just find out if there's anything happening at Nebo that's new and exciting that you want to share with our with our listeners. Oh, there is always a lot of stuff happening at Nevo. Um, so, I mean, we, we do have a lot planned for this year. Um, if you're interested in keeping up with us, you can obviously follow us on social, follow our website. We do, we are hosting an event um, coming up on Wednesday, the 21st. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, you know, we don't really promote, we, we have the good fortune, we don't really uh, promote ourselves that much. We don't have any outbound sales uh, and marketing, so I'm not going to be promotional of Nebo. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say, though, is there are a lot of great organizations in, in our industry. There's so you're a, just going to tease us about the no, event? No, no, no. no <laughs> that's what I'm going to so, so whether it's AMA Atlanta or AMA, AMA is the Atlanta Interactive Marketing Association. Well, we have these. We have an innovation series with them. So there's an AI event. Wednesday, the 21st. Ooh, we love with, AI. Yeah, with, with Google, UPS, KPMG, and a few others. So that's something that we're hosting that at Nebo. Um, but that's not about Nebo, but that event's going to be exciting because mm-hmm. Google says we're moving from a mobile-first world to an AI-first world. So there's a lot of stuff like that. The last one we did was about the fan experience. We had mm-hmm. the, Fal- uh, the Hawks and the Falcons and Braves. 
what I think that, you know, my parting wisdom isn't to, you know, visit our site or anything like that, is get involved in the community because there's so much to learn and this industry is changing and, and follow shows like this because uh, I think the, this, just be a constant learner. That's the thing that gets me excited. All right. <laughs> Great. Well, if um, listeners want to get in touch with you to hear more about anything that you've mentioned today, how can they do that, Kim? They can follow me on Twitter. It's at Kim Lincoln or find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Yeah, and, and go to NeboAgency.com. Yep. Wonderful. You said you weren't going to promote the site. Well, I just, just to, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. A, I'm assuming you didn't want uh, uh, 5,000 uh, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn <laughs> no, requests. I would welcome them. <laughs> awesome, y'all. Well, we've been talking with the Nebo Agency, Kim Lincoln and Brian Easter. Thanks for a great show. Thank you for listening to CEO Exclusive. I'm your host, Soyini Coke. I hope you have a prosperous, productive, and very profitable week. Thanks. Thank you. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.